Welcome to Momentum Church. I am Pastor Tyler. I'm the youth pastor here. Um, we're going to take a wild ride down a river today. Is that okay with everybody? Yes, All right. Um, I, I got to be honest, I, I had a lot of trouble getting ready for this message. Um, I preached it about a month ago to a group of middle schoolers at uh, Mill Creek Middle School for their Wildcat Worship Club, and I was ready this week, and then all of a sudden on Monday, God was like, nah. <laughs> and I thought it was my ADD, honestly. Um, so I was like, if it's, a, if it's my ADD, we're in big trouble. Um, but just this morning, just sitting in worship, just the, the, the worship just being so rich, and the message from Pastor Brantley as well, it just clicked because we're talking about promises today, the things that God promises. But we're going to do it in a little bit different way. I know that you have been just sitting with bated breath waiting to see what is under the shroud. Today I brought a little whitewater. I wouldn't, actually, I wouldn't take this on any whitewater. But I brought my own personal inflatable kayak with me today. I love rafting. Rafting has been something that I've been doing since I was probably about 10 years old or 11 years old, and um, it's something I got to do pretty much every year, and I've done a lot of different uh, rivers in the southeast, and I just love it so much. I love the sense of adventure that you get because you're going, you, you can't control what you're on, right, when you're in a, in a, in a raft. I love the, the sense of uncertainty and not knowing what the river's going to be like because even if you've been on that river before, things are going to be different because elements have changed. I love the sense of teamwork, knowing that, that you're with either your family or you're with a group of friends, and those, those people are going to be working towards the same purpose of getting back to the parking lot and not getting dunked in the water. <laughs> I love the idea that, that you have a guide that's in the boat with you that stays with the boat at all times. And I love that when, when you get to the parking lot, there's just this sense of excitement of not knowing what's going to happen. And so if, you, if you've never been uh, whitewater rafting, has anybody ever been whitewater rafting here before? Has anybody like thought it was kind of cool and interesting and you would like to go sometime? Anybody like, don't ever put me in a rubber raft on the water. Anybody? Okay. Okay. I know there's some of y'all and that's okay. You know what? It's just probably, you probably have more common sense than the rest of us. Um, so... But you get into the parking lot, and the first thing you do is you go, if you're smart, you go take your keys to the, to the um, like home base people, because you don't want your keys to go in the water, right? Because you won't ever find them. It's not like you drop them in a swimming pool. You're in a, in a wild river. And so you take your keys, and you go into this room, and everybody sits on these really uncomfortable benches, and you're, you're in whatever stuff you're going to wear on the river that day, and, and they, they have a raft sitting at the front. And they talk about safety precautions first before they do anything because you gotta, you gotta be safe on the river, right? It, it, there is an element of danger there. So one thing they sell you is nose up, toes up. That's like a, a phrasal here. And it just means that, that when you're in the water, the safest thing for you to do isn't to stand up. Because if you stand up, your feet are likely gonna get trapped in a rock. The current is gonna go over your head and pull you over and it's called a low oxygen environment. That's what they call it. They got all these crazy terms for really dangerous, serious stuff. And so then they go through that talk, they tell you what not to do, and they start handing you equipment. So you have a life preserver, right? It preserves your life, really creative name. And so you put this life vest on, they tell you keep it on at all times because you never know when the boat is going to tip and you're going to go in the water. And then they hand you a paddle 
And this paddle isn't for you to try and race to the end. It's to kind of guide you and change direction a little bit as you're going down the river. If the guide tells you, hey, we need to all paddle left, your whole team, your rafting team is going to be paddling on the left side. If you say they say paddle right, you'll paddle on the right side, everybody that's in the boat on the right side. If they say paddle left and paddle right, you're going to be spinning around in 360 and the guide gets a good laugh out of it. So there's some jerks out there that'll do that stuff to you. <laughs> and so rafting, you, you get into the water and usually it starts out pretty calm because you got to be able to put the rafts in and, and everybody's laughing and joking and then all of a sudden you hit that first group of rapids and... Uh, Nobody's laughing anymore, it's, and, it's, and it's all fun and games until you hit that first group, and it's all fun and games until you go into the water. Listen, I am telling you from experience, you, you probably want to stay in the boat. It's a little bit fun, depending on where you go in, but um, I, I brought this interesting photo today, and uh, it's, it's nice. It's a, it's a group of people that um, have unfortunately found themselves in the water, uh, and they, this is called Seven Foot Falls. It's on the Chattooga River. Um, all of the Roland footage was, was uh, from the Chattooga as well. But um, this is a, a river that I've been on a few times. And uh, actually, if you, if you look at these, uh, this pair of Nikes right here, that, that belo- those belong to my wife. <laughs> and if you see this other helmet right here, it's my head. <laughs> so we went on Seven Foot Falls. The guide said, hey, we're going to go on this thing sideways. And uh, we went on it sideways, and then the boat tipped over sideways. So we found ourselves in the water. And one thing they teach you when you go into the water is that you want to grab hold of the most secure thing. And you would think maybe that's a rock or something like that, but they tell you the most secure thing on a river is the boat because that's where your guide is. That, that boat isn't tied to something. It's not going to keep you in the same place. It's going to continue to move you down the destination that you want to go to. And what you're looking at is something secure. And, and speaking of security, when, when I was uh, probably about nine or 10, that's when my passion for rafting started, uh, for whitewater, for adventure. And we used to go up to Helen and tube down uh, the Chattahoochee. You guys ever been to Helen, tube down the Chattahoochee before? All right, a few of you. Um, it's, it's just nice. It's a good, nice, nice ride. And you can just sit back and relax and have a good time. You can take kids with you and it's, it's nice and safe. Well, um, I grew up a couple of miles from the Chattahoochee in Norcross, Georgia, and it's a little bit different river. Uh, it's about three times as wide and about five times as dangerous. And I'm at the park one day and I don't know, uh, how much my mom knows about the story. I told her a couple weeks ago and, and she seemed surprised by a little bit of it. So, but now she knows. Um, but I, I find myself meeting this other kid, and he has this, like, it's probably, like, an inflatable raft. It's got, like, or a tube. It's got a donut on it or something like that with sprinkles, you know, the, the fun ones, right, that they make for kids. So I decide that day, once I've met my best friend, um, that I'm going to take his tube, and I'm going to go down this river. Now, keep in mind, I don't have a life preserver. I'm in my bathing suit, and I, all I have with me to keep me safe is this tube. So I start going down the river, and the river starts pulling me closer and closer to the center, and I start seeing the shore get further and further away. So what do I do? I bail. I dump the wrap, dump the tube, and I, I go to the closest rock. And what's crazy is when, when we find ourselves in a situation like that, I don't know, hopefully you've never been in a situation like that, and um, you have more common sense than me, um, but you find yourself in a situation like that, panic tells you just to grab the closest thing. And the closest thing for me was a rock. And your mind tricks you, making you think that, oh, I'm safe now. 
But then reality starts to set in and you realize I'm pretty far from shore. And so I would make my way from rock to rock trying to get back to safety into the shore. And in life, sometimes I have found myself with my boat tipped over. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? And I'm reaching out for that closest secure thing. Maybe, maybe at that moment in my life, it was a job that I knew I had some job security and I could kind of cling to that when things were going a little bit crazy. Maybe at the time, it's money. You've got some money saved in the bank even though maybe, maybe uh, other things are a little bit dicey in your life, but you know you're gonna, you're gonna make it for a while. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe you know that, that you're struggling uh, with depression or, or something like that and, and you can lean on your spouse because that spouse is gonna make you happy. They're gonna be some security for you. And I think a lot of times in my life, and I even see this now, I struggle with, with finding security and comfort. And I think we're kind of, as, as a, a nation, we're kind of bred for comfort, aren't we? And as soon as something uncomfortable comes, it just, it really gets us, really frustrates us, doesn't it? And maybe today, you're, you have been knocked out of the boat. Maybe life has just rocked the boat and you were knocked out. And you know what it feels like. You haven't been there in the water, but you know what it feels like to be struggling to catch a breath. You know what that pressure feels like, don't you? You know what, what all of the, the weight of the world sitting on your shoulder trying to pull you under. It's not like being in a swimming pool, right? If you jump in a swimming pool, you can get in the pool and you just push yourself off on the bottom. But in a river, they tell you don't put your feet down. And if you don't have a life preserver, it's gonna be even more difficult to hold yourself above water. Your life at home is a wreck and you're struggling to breathe. You can't catch a break. The kids are screaming all the time. Your daughter won't sleep through the night. <laughs> I'm just kidding. My, ours is great. She does that. She does sleep through the night. <laughs> but your job is going great. So you cling to your job. You work more hours because that's where your security is. Maybe you say, that doesn't resonate with me. I just lost my job. And now you don't know where the next meal's gonna come from. You don't know where, where your next paycheck is gonna go. You've gotta pay the bills. You gotta keep the heat on. But at least you have your health. And maybe that doesn't even resonate with you. You're struggling with your health right now. And you're wondering, I don't know how I'm gonna cover these bills, these health bills. I don't know how I'm gonna come out of this hole again. And I just, I just wanna be able to enjoy a Thanksgiving and not have to think about how much pain I'm in. But you know your family will be there. And so you cling and you find security in that family. Maybe for you, your family has abandoned you. But at least you have good friends. And at times, the water's going to get rough. And your boat is going to get rocked. And you may find yourself in the water. And maybe what you've done is you've clung to that security, that rock that's right there, thinking that, you know what, this is where safety is. But safety's not on the rock, it's in the boat. 
And we've all been there at times, haven't we? That, that job security that we leaned on just isn't there anymore. You get news from your doctor that you didn't want to hear. Your family, even the ones closest to you, let you down. And it just piles up. And your friends that you were close to drift apart. And we're, we're fighting to keep our head above water just to breathe. Maybe for you, you've jumped out of the boat completely. You said, no, not for me anymore. I'm tired of this boat rocking. I'm done. And you bail. Maybe you're trying to cling to something else, an addiction maybe, that keeps you jumping from rock to rock, trying to find security. Maybe you're tired of how your career was going. You know, God put you in this job, um, but you're just frustrated. And so what you do is you, you jump from job to job, finding, trying to find security, not understanding that you need to work for the Lord. And he has you there for a purpose. The guide was telling you to paddle left to avoid danger. But maybe the pressure of life, the water, the guide reaching his hand out even, you don't see it, you don't hear it, maybe because of all the pressure, but maybe you're not even listening. Or maybe you thought you didn't need a guide at all. You said, you know what, I'm, I'm cruising pretty good right now. I think I, can, I think I can handle this on my own. And so you start paddling and changing the direction. You, you choose a direction of your own life. And all of a sudden, the boat gets rocked again. No matter what, your soul will be anchored to something. You are going to find security in something, whether it's a job, a career, a relationship with somebody, maybe, maybe your status, maybe you've, you've built yourself up in this company that you're in or, or with this friend group and you just, you, you love the place that you're at and people respect you and that's where your security is. But maybe for you, you're struggling right now just to keep your head above the water. And you're saying to yourself, my situation is hopeless. And I've, I found myself there at times. And it's funny, I think about, um, you know, with this whole like water metaphor and everything, you think about the prophet Jonah and, and, and how he found himself in the water. And I think a lot of the cute, like, you know, children's Bible books and stuff, they just have him sitting there like in the float just waiting. It's like, okay, God, I'm waiting on you, right? And, or, or Jonah's a cucumber and he just floats anyway. Um, but all these cute stories and stuff like that, they, they kind of change the perspective. But, but Jonah, in, in Jonah 2.5, he wrote, the waters engulfs me to take my life. The watery depths closed around me and the seaweed wrapped around my head. And again, you may be asking yourself, where is hope? And in our text today, we're going to find where that hope is. The, the writer of the book of Hebrews was writing to a broken, distraught people, the, the first century Jewish Christians that uh, around AD 70, the, the temple had been destroyed and Emperor Nero the Roman emperor, he was, he was killing and slaughtering Christians left and right. And the writer of Hebrews, he could have written a lot of different things. But he chooses one passage and he says, and this is probably one of the most recognizable historic events in Jewish culture. Because it, it talks about the origins 
of the Jewish people. And so if you would please stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to be in Hebrews 6 today. And it says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus, Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. And you can go ahead and have a seat. And Abraham, interestingly enough, I don't know about you, but when I would hear this story as a kid, I would imagine, um, because adults to me back, they were like in their 20s. So I imagine like this 20-something-year-old guy, and he's like, you know, I'm Abraham, right? And he's like super strong and young, and he's got his whole life ahead of him and stuff like that. But, but when God approached Abraham, he was 75 years old. And I know people lived longer back then, but I don't think 75 was that different, because he said, how am I going to have a child at, at 75? How am I going to have an heir? But God said, I will bless you and multiply you. He said, I'm going to bless other nations through you, Abraham. And so at this time, God, Abraham was, was in the security of his family. Because back then, if you didn't have an heir, which Abraham didn't, your most secure place to be was with your family. And so he's, he's cruising down this river of life. I know that's a really cheesy way to put it, but he's cruising down this river of life and all of a sudden God rocks the boat a little bit. He says, Abraham, I'm choosing you and I want you to go and leave your security and go to a land that I'm going to show you. He doesn't say, hey, go down to uh, Roswell um, and wait for me there. He says, no, I, I want you to go and, and I will show you the land. And so Abraham has a choice at that point. He can stay in the security of his family or he can cling to God's promise and follow what, what God is directing him with, that guide. God says, go. So what does Abraham do? He goes. And thank God he went. And so God gives Abraham this promise at 75, and probably about 10 years later, famine happens, right? The boat gets rocked again. And this time, instead of guiding and, and allowing God to guide the boat, he finds himself in Egypt. And Abraham starts to think to himself, oh, you know what? I know where this is going, and I'm just going to start steering a little bit this way. He sees and he fears that, that the Egyptians are going to take his life because of his wife. And so what does he do? He tells his wife, Sarah, he says, Sarah, I want you to, to tell the Egyptians that you are my sister. And it creates this whole mess of problems. And so there's a ceremony and the Egyptian, uh, the, the Pharaoh of the time, he takes Sarah as his wife. And then all of a sudden, all these plagues start, start filling Egypt. And they're like, oh, not again. No, I'm just kidding. And so there's plagues all over Egypt. And so, so uh, the, the Pharaoh goes back to Abraham and says, what have you done? I've given you all of this stuff. Abraham, was, he was sitting real good because the, the Pharaoh blessed him mightily. So he's sitting real good, and all of a sudden, he's kicked out of Egypt. And so Pharaoh, you would think, or uh, Abraham, you would think he learns his lesson. So he goes on maybe another 10 years or so. And we're about 25 years before that original promise. And so he's about 99 years old, maybe a little, little younger. And 
He's waiting on God, right? And, and, and it's been two decades. And sometimes, you know, 20 minutes, we get tired of waiting on God. <laughs> but it's been two decades. And so Abraham, he sees this, he's on the river. He sees this faster vessel go by, right? He says, oh man, that's gonna get me there a lot faster. So he jumps ship. And he goes to his servant Hagar and has a child by Hagar, trying to make God's promise happen, trying to create his lineage. And maybe he thought he was doing the right thing. Maybe he thought that, that, that he was supposed to do something. But he jumps out, and, and what it does is it creates this rift. So the Ishmaelites, um, Hagar has a son named Ishmael, and the Ishmaelites and the Israelites are always fighting with each other. Even to this day. And so, thank God that in that moment, though, Abraham repents and he gets back in the boat with God. He gets back in the boat of God's promise. Not his own promise, not his own way. And at 100 years old, that's, that's pretty old, he has his, his son, Isaac. And I think at that moment, Abraham, he could have done a couple things. He could have, he could have been so proud of, of his son Isaac and, and just begun to, to have his promise be in his son Isaac because that's where that promise is. And he could have leaned on Isaac to be that promise. Or he could have paid attention to the promise keeper and realized that, that God was going to bring this to fruition. And so thank God he did that because at about 15 to 20 years old, God comes to Abraham. He says, I want you to, to lay your son down on the altar, your only son. I want you to sacrifice him. And if, and if Abraham had, had focused on the promise of his son, I don't think he would have laid his son down on the altar. But he knew God's word. He knew that God approached him and said, I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to bless other nations through you. So he knew that that was not the only son that was going to be sacrificed. And so from what we can learn from this is that if God makes a promise, he will fulfill it. Not if, not if God makes a promise, it will be fulfilled. No, if God makes a promise, he will move heaven and earth to make sure what he says and what he speaks is going to happen. And if God has promised you something, hold on. Stay in the boat. Don't look to your left or to your right. Don't look to those lesser things. Don't look at somebody else moving along faster than you are, being more blessed than you are, and jump ship and try and hold on to their boat. Because you know what? There's no raft guide in that boat. God has promised you this thing. And if you jump ship, you are taking control of it yourself. Don't try to hold God to a promise that isn't in his word either. I think so many times what we do is we get excited about something that God is doing. We see, we, you know, in our own mind, we see where it's going and we're like, oh yes, God, this is so good. This is where this is going. And we start taking that paddle, that paddle of faithful obedience and we start moving in the direction we see it going. And God hasn't even promised that. But we think it's good for us. 
And lastly, don't ignore your guide. I don't know if you've picked up on this, but, but that guide is the Holy Spirit. Don't ignore your guide. And try to take control of things yourself. And if you find yourself in a raging river, struggling to keep your head above water, stay calm and rely on the word that God has put in your heart. Because sometimes we do get knocked out of the boat, don't we? But we've got a personal flotation device, the word of God on our own hearts. Those, those scripture verses that we've memorized, we've poured over, that we've made part of our lives, that, that help, deride, to help guide us and direct us, and it keeps us afloat. And even in the worst waters, we're still not alone. So stay calm, rely on the word of God in your heart, and as soon as you can, get back in the boat. Maybe, maybe right now things are going fine for you and you're in the boat and you're really in tune with the Spirit and you hear what he's leading you and you're just allowing God to, to direct and guide you. I want you to look around in, in this world and the people that you interact with and see who might need to come to the boat with you. Because so many times we start moving and going, and we're focused on, we got tunnel vision on where God is leading us, right? And we don't look to our left or right to see who might need some help. There's been so many times on these raft excursions where uh, a, a guide will um, go over somewhere, and the river's not exactly what they expect, and the boat tips, and everybody's out, and that boat turns over and goes downriver. They call it carnage. It's carnage, right? It's, it's so dumb. Rafters, they're an interesting group of people, raft guides. But you see people in the water, and, and what they, the raft guides tell you to do is they say, you know what, it doesn't matter if that, somebody, that person was in another boat, you bring them into your boat. They need help, they need security. And even better, pray for God to help you see people taking their families down the river without a guide. Man, and, and God gave me this picture, and it just, it broke me a little bit, because you see, in the real world, you see, like when you're on the river, you see the, these dads that will take their families for the first time, and they're going to have a good time, and the dad thinks they know everything about whitewater rafting because they've watched the YouTube videos. They've got their whole family in the boat with them. They say, we're going to go this way. I don't care where everybody else is going. This is where we're going to go. And they start going down that river. They don't realize how dangerous it is down that part of the river. And all of a sudden, their whole family is thrown out of the boat. I see so many times men leading their families to disaster, not thinking they need a guide. And so I want you to just to pray. If, if, pray for God to give you a word for somebody like that. If you're already in the boat, bring those people in the boat with you. And so the writer of Hebrews, he concludes chapter 6 with this. He says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. So those of you that feel like right now you, you just are drowning in it. The pressure of life is holding you under. You have a hope as an anchor for your soul, firm and secure. And secure, 100% secure. What is that? 
It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf and he has become a high priest forever. And I love this imagery because the the Jewish people would have seen this and they would have imagined uh, once a year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest going into the Holy of Holies in the tent. And, and, And he's going in there to offer a sacrifice to God to atone for the sins of the the Hebrew people. And he's got a rope tied to his his ankle going out of the Holy of Holies just in case that sacrifice is not received by God and and he, he drops dead right there so they can pull him back out. But Jesus became that atoning sacrifice. And when he did that, he entered into the Holy of Holies. So Jesus, he was, he was the fulfillment of that promise to Abraham. And so we know that God fulfilled his promise. And Jesus, he prepared the way for us that we, so that we can have an eternal hope. And that most holy room is where he sits on a throne next to God, his father, so that we can have hope beyond this broken world. We can have hope even when we get rocked out of the boat. Isn't that good news? But that hope does not start when we die. That hope is for day-to-day life, here and now. I want to remind you that Jesus in Matthew 6, he says the Lord's Prayer, which is a, it's a, an incredible paradigm for, for us to be able to use as a prayer guide. If you ever wonder, how do I pray? Go read Matthew chapter 6. And he says... In it, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not on heaven as it is in heaven. When I find that, that final resting place, when I go to, to be in heaven with God, no, it's hope for here and now. And it's hope for us to bring others alongside, to pull into the boat with us. And so, when we see ourselves turning our attention to lesser things, our guide, the Holy Spirit, extends his hand to get us back in the boat. We have Christ. We have God's promises, his promised word written on our hearts to keep us above the water when we were out of the boat. But here's the thing. We have to make the choice to get back in the boat and grab the paddle and be led by the Spirit In faithful obedience, as he guides, we turn. As he guides, we move. Only then can we truly be secure. And Lord, I just thank you so much for this word, God, that that you are a God who is secure above all things. Lord, even even when we're knocked out of the boat and, and life seems like it's coming at us and we can't handle it anymore, God, you are a secure anchor for our souls. And I just pray that anybody that that is in the water today, that they find their way back in the boat, whether it's through uh, just a group of people that love the Lord that they can uh, become friends with. Um, Lord, if it's counseling that they need, I pray that they get that. I just pray that we have the courage to reach back in the boat, even though it doesn't sometimes seem like the safest place, and that's not where our security lies. We just love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' holy name, amen. 
Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.